the next episode of Nerd Clicks and Chill will start in three, two, one, zero. Hey everybody, this is Nick. And this is Carrie. And we are Nerd Flicks and Chill. And believe it or not, we actually finally, at long last, have a trailer for Solo, a Star Wars story, uh, coming out in just a few months. Been waiting a long time to see some footage of Solo, but we finally got it in a, in the form of a little commercial snippet and then a full teaser earlier today. Is anybody else frustrated with the fact or is it just me that this is called a quote-unquote full teaser so during the super bowl we got the teaser teaser and then monday morning we got the full teaser so now we are fully teased and now i want a real trailer well pretty soon well then before we get the real trailer we'll get the teaser for the trailer because <laughs> that's the other thing that they do in these uh in in movie marketing nowadays. Oh, it's getting it's just getting stupid. It's just getting just crazy to me. Well, that's not the only thing that's getting stupid. I got to tell you. Um in the in the months kind of leading up to this trailer, I mean, a lot of people thought we would hear something about it at Star Wars Celebration back in April of 2017 that you attended. Yep. Uh, there was not really a mention of it there. Um, we didn't get a trailer when uh, The Last Jedi came out, and it really kind of started driving this weird narrative about the film um, that was based on, like, rumor. Uh, and I, I don't even think it's rumors. I think it was, like, one rumor that one clickbait factory put out that ended up getting picked up and all that other stuff about how, you know, Disney's kind of written off the movie and all this other stuff. And, you know, the, the idea is, is that Lord and Miller, uh, were fired from the film. Ron Howard came in to, to reshoot, ended up reshooting something like 80% of the movie. Um, and, and so a lot of people were under the impression because of a couple of clickbait articles that this movie is going to be garbage and Lucasfilm's just kind of giving up on it. Right. I don't believe that for a second because things on the internet have a way of not being true. Um, but it just created this like aura of negativity that, that I find very, very frustrating. Like, is this, is this what we do to our art and our storytelling now? <laughs> yeah, it definitely seems like that's the in thing to do is to hate on everything. Before and anybody's it's... even seen a frame of it. I know. I know. I know. It's, it's, I'm, I'm hating on the haters. Um, I, I'm frustrated because after seeing these teaser, teaser, full teasers, I think, I actually think it looks promising. I think it looks really interesting. Yeah, and I mean, it's not to say that there's not a good reason to be skeptical about this film. I think that's perfectly natural. But, like, the, the out-and-out negativity that's just been spawning from different areas of social media and this kind of, uh, you know, the the kind of community of fans that, you know, writes articles or has YouTube channels. Like, just, just this 
vicious, cynical awfulness that's been pouring out about a movie that nobody's even seen a frame of is a little absurd to me. Uh, but I think you can be skeptical from a more rational perspective, like this is probably the Star Wars movie I'm least interested in because, you know, it doesn't feel like a story that necessarily needs to be told. I completely agree with you on that one. And I want to back up just a little bit about all this, you know, air of skepticism and, and people talking about reshoots and this is going to be awful because of reshoots. Well, we heard that when they were in production for Rogue One. Yep. And everybody thought Rogue One was going to be crap. And I remember when we were first doing our predictions and, you know, whatnot for Rogue One, I was like, listen, almost every movie that comes out has pickup shots, or if you want to call it a reshoot. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong, necessarily. It means that, you know what, the exposure on this scene didn't look great. Or, you know what... After looking at the footage, I need to get it from another angle or we need to expand on this scene. I mean, they go into reshoots all the time, all the time. That's not any kind of cause for alarm. Now, granted, I will give you, it is a bit alarming that Solo's budget almost completely doubled because of the reshoots that Ron Howard is doing. That's unprecedented. But when you have somebody with the pedigree of Ron Howard, I kind of trust it, you know, and, and I'm still not worried about it. But again, going yeah. back to Rogue One, so many people were hating on it before it came out, even after the trailers. And quite honestly, I think and I know for me personally, I know for you as well, that ranks up as one of the best Star Wars movies Yeah, that's come out. Yeah. Well, and I think that, that the reshoots here for Solo are more impactful than the reshoots for Rogue One, particularly because, I mean, this is a, a pretty public case where the directors were fired. Right. Uh, and they were fired because, and they say it was like mutual separation or whatever. That's you bullshit. Know, always. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> yeah, whatever the least confrontational term is for getting shit canned. Uh, um, but they got fired because they were having run-ins with Kathleen Kennedy, with Lawrence Kasdan. They were having, um, problems with, um, the directors were having problems with Alden Ehrenreich and, you know, the biggest issues were the tone of the film, that they were leaning a little bit uh, more comedic. And I think that there were some criticisms that it was almost kind of juvenile comedy. So they brought in Ron Howard, who basically reshot 80% of the film. And like you said, reshoots happen all the time. Sometimes it works out perfectly, like in Rogue One, where everything kind of meshes together and flows really nicely. Sometimes it looks like two separate movies, like in Justice League, where you see Zack Snyder stuff and you see Joss Whedon stuff, and they don't really coalesce together. So I think, yeah, there's reason to be skeptical there. But at the same time, uh, my skepticism is more about the necessity of this film. And not only is it a story that I wasn't necessarily interested in knowing about, it's also, it's so, it's going to be so difficult to recast one of the most iconic roles in the history of film. Yeah, that's, that's a really, really risky 
um, thing to undertake, not only for the production, but for the performer as well. I mean, those are shoes I would not want to step into. I mean, no matter how much fun it would be to play Han Solo, it's like you don't want to take on that role. That's right. really, really risky. And it's like you're almost setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just such a challenging thing to do. It's it. Harrison Ford is Han Solo, and he is Indiana Jones. It's it's hard to it's hard to recast uh, those roles. I mean, you couldn't go back and you know make a Godfather prequel with somebody else other than Al Pacino playing Michael Corleone. It's just such a difficult thing, and I think it's the same thing here. So I think those are the two biggest things that are going against it, is lack of necessity plus recasting an iconic role. And that may have initially been the thing that kind of created a bad taste in people's mouth about it. Um, but I will say, after watching the trailer, uh, I was actually very pleased with uh, what I saw. I don't know that it gives very much away, um, but I think it gives us kind of a, a good feel for tone. Um, and I think the tone of the film looks like a lot of fun. I think so, too. Um, going back to talking about um, playing Han Solo, that's one of the things that I heard was some of the difficulty with this film is that the actor who is portraying Han Solo. And again, you know me and names. I don't know his name can't remember it um that his acting's not all that great and that was some of the problems that they wanted to reshoot some of his lines with a better director directing him to get uh the right tone or feeling or you know whatnot uh i i i don't know how much validity there is to that i don't know uh, and what we saw in these little tiny teasers isn't enough for me to know whether or not that account is correct, but we'll have to wait and see. But with what you said, as far as the tone and the look of this movie, I think it looks great. I like a lot of the design that we're seeing. There's a lot of new uh, uh, droids and and locations, and I, I think it has that kind of overall... It kind of reminded me of the look of Rogue One a little bit, even though this mm -hmm. would take place a little bit before Rogue One. I don't know where it fits necessarily on the timeline. I know it would be before that, but I don't know exactly when. But it, it, I... it kind of fits in with that. I'm glad it has more of a look of that than it does like the prequels. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty spot on. I think one of the things I really enjoy about about this, and I think maybe where the kind of Star Wars story spinoffs, I think the niche for those films is going to be kind of fleshing out the Star Wars universe. Because when we're, we're talking about the saga films, you have to think about the level that we're really talking about here. There's a lot of... You know, it, it's, it's the elite, right? It's the, it's the high command of the first order or the empire. And it's the high command of the rebellion. Uh, and then we have our kind of everyman characters that get caught up in the fray. But everything is really kind of up in the, um, higher levels of classism within the Star Wars universe. We're dealing with the more elite as opposed to the everyday, um, individuals right so i think that 
what these films can do, and Rogue One did a great job of this, is kind of fleshing out some of the, um, I don't know, some of the kind of gritty reality of these different parts of the galaxy. And I think that's fun. Like, you know, you're seeing, you know, these, uh, you know, these speeders passing through these kind of run down parts of a city on a planet. And it's, it's really great to see. And I think that's one of the cool things about these films is being able to kind of flesh out the universe more. But I'm really curious, though, there was something that you had said earlier that I completely agree with is that I don't really know if this is a story that needs to be told. I'm, I'm curious as to what are they going to present me in this movie that's going to give me something new or going to give me what I already know, but give it to me in a different context or... Uh, make me look at what I think I already know, but now I'm seeing it in a different context. I just, I don't know where this is going to reside. Is it just going to be a fluff piece that just might be fun popcorn fodder? Or is it going to be something that kind of interlinks, you know, and, and maybe fills in some of the gaps that we didn't know were there? Yeah. You that's know? That's the big question. I think that's the big question. You know, is this going to provide more of a background on Han and Chewie's relationship. Um, you know, are we going to see some of the the legend of Han Solo kind of be built, which I feel like is the direction they're probably going in, uh, whether that stuff is necessary or not. That's one thing. Uh, but it could also be an attempt to do somewhat um, of a thing like what Marvel is doing, where, you know, Marvel does their superhero movie, but then they do their kind of... Uh, um, you know, rom-com with Ant-Man and the Wasp that they're doing, you know? Right. Uh, so you're having films in different genres that are all contained within this universe, whereas uh, Rogue One was a heist film. Maybe this one would be kind of an underworld Western-style movie. And I'm wondering, too, I mean, this is almost like, uh, you know, we we lost the character of Han Solo in The Force Awakens. And it's almost like we're going back and we're revisiting him. Is this kind of like his, like, that character's memorial send-off kind of a thing? And, and, and thinking of it in that way, does that then open the door for, like, a Leia movie? You know, because we don't know a lot about her after, you know, she gets handed off to Bail Organa to where we see her ship you know, at the beginning of A New Hope. So well, there actually, could be something there. I don't think they're going to do a Leia movie solely because uh, they just had that book that came out not too long ago. I think it's called Leia, Princess of Alderaan, that really covers most of her uh, most of her life from like kind of her earliest moments. I think a lot of that stuff would be covered in that book. Yeah, you're probably right. I I've never... Um, dove into any of the the fiction or the books at all. Which I've heard good things about that book. Yeah. Is that the one that has Leia and Nine Nub on it together? No. Um, I think this one involves, like, there's a lot of stuff about, like, her early relationship with Haldo. Oh, okay. Huh. And, you know, you know, and, uh, like, her kind of getting involved in the rebellion and stuff with her and, uh, like finding out that her father is part of the rebellion and things like that. Gotcha. Hmm. That might be but interesting to pick up. Also, the time frame, as I understand it, for Solo, 
Uh, I believe it's from Han age 18 to 24, which would probably put this film somewhere almost in between episode three and Rogue One, if you're looking to fit it on the timeline. Yeah, that's what I was assuming. It was somewhere in there. Hmm. So I don't think there'll be any... uh, You might see, like, some offhand reference to... You know, Leia on Alderaan somewhere, but she'll be, she'd be a kid at the point of, uh, this film. No, I, I don't think, I, I wouldn't want any kind of a reference to Leia in this. It would just, it would seem almost too forced because <laughs> I know I always do that when we talk about Star Wars. Um, <laughs> really, it's unintentional. Um, I, I don't know. It would, it would just, I don't know. It would, it would see, seem too on the nose. It's like, you know what? I want them completely separate until they meet in, um, uh, New Hope. Yeah. No, I could totally see that. I can totally see that. I think, uh, you know, who knows? Who knows at this point? But I will say, with this trailer, I really enjoyed some of the world building that I saw. I liked some of the creature design. I believe there might be a bounty hunter in there. That's that one character that looks really cool with all kinds of, like, blady-looking things coming out of his head. <laughs> blady things? Yes. He's like just, a guy you don't want to get stuck in an elevator with because he I'm has just, just such... I'm just, I'm picturing a bunch of Wesley Snipes sticking out of his head. Yeah, not, not that blady. Yeah, sorry. That was silly. But I th- so I think there's some really cool character design in there. Looks like we're going to be going to some really cool locations. Um, I don't know exactly what planet was what or which planet was which or however you say that correctly. Uh, but I feel like if I had to guess, two of the planets that we saw in that trailer were Corellia, Han Solo's home planet, and Kessel. I believe. I believe Kessel is one of those. I actually think Kessel was that snow planet. Hmm. Kind of ties into one of my theories about the uh, about the film, but I believe that Kessel was that snow planet. Yeah, yeah, I, I I'd heard that we would be seeing both of those, and I mean, is this movie is that going to be the big thing of this movie? Is the the infamous Kessel Run? Are we going to see what that is? And I kind I think of, we do see it in the trailer. I kind of don't want to. You know, I kind of like things being left in legend. And if anything, uh, The Last Jedi showed us that sometimes when you come face to face with with legends, sometimes it doesn't work out the way you want it to or the way you think it should. Something like that that's iconic, like the Kessel Run, it, it goes into one of my pet peeves with movies, talking about prequels and sequels, that they give you too much. They, they force feed all this stuff to you and it doesn't it doesn't leave it up to your own imagination or for you to wonder what it is i don't want to see the kessel run you know i i like knowing that this this iconic thing and he's known for this because i i would like to just leave it at that and not have to see it see that actually is one thing i would like to see (laughs) of course well only because if that's the thing that he is most famous for uh, it would kind of, it would kind of help flesh out his, his kind of legacy a little bit more. 
Like, if you actually see it, and it turns out to be this really incredible scene, you know, and, like, he he is so self-congratulatory about it, and then he meets Luke and Obi-Wan, and they never heard of the Millennium Falcon before. But that's the thing, though, is that it has to be something amazing. You know, if this is the thing that defines him, or not defines him, but if this is the thing that he's supposed to be known for, it's got to be something incredible. And I would hate for it to be something where we see it and we're like, well, that was it. That's why. Okay. Or or have it be some kind of a sham. Have it be some kind of a, a ruse that, you know, it really was nothing, but they're going to kind of play it up like it's something in the context of the movie where he's, you know, pulling one over on somebody and the whole thing is a lie. I, I would hate that. I would hate well, that. Well, we did know that Han Han was known to the Empire. He was specifically known to Vader. Vader knew what the Millennium Falcon was. Uh, we, we've heard him talk about it in The Empire Strikes Back. We don't know if that was solely from the events at the first Death Star or if that was from previous experience, uh, you know, at the Kessel Run. And I actually believe that that last shot of the teaser where you have... Uh, this kind of black hole looking thing that the Star Destroyer is entering with those TIE fighters. Yeah. I believe that might be part of the Kessel Run. Hmm. See, I would find it more interesting to have it be whatever it was between him and Greedo and Jabba, the whole thing with Jabba, although I don't want to see a really bad CG Jabba give me... Uh, Return of the Jedi full practical Jabba would be really cool to see whatever all that was about that we got in um, A New Hope. I would rather see something like that than to find out what the Kessel Run really was, because I don't know. It's just I I'm feel like I'm being set up for disappointment. But I also think that the Kessel Run might be the thing that links Han to Chewbacca. Yeah. Because if I'm not mistaken from my Star Wars history, um, <laughs> wasn't Kessel the spice mining planet Yes, that they enslaved the Wookiees on? I believe so, yes. So I feel like wouldn't his link to Chewie be tied up with that planet and potentially that aspect of his story? And if that's the case... And if we are going to try to flesh out more of this relationship between Han and Chewie, then I think you have to have that in there. Yeah, you're probably right. But again, we don't know. Uh, that's just kind of based off the trailer, you know, and kind of what's in there. Um, but that would also mean that, you know, he is running down, um, you know, is being is running away from the Empire, which could lead to some interesting potential cameos there as well. That's true. Uh, and also, I mean, of course, we have the relationship between Han and Lando, which we know that Han acquired the Millennium Falcon because of a bet with Lando Calrissian. So it, I'm Absolutely. assuming we're going to see that as well. Yeah, I mean, well, those interior shots of the pristine, brand new Millennium Falcon yeah. are really awesome. I really but, like seeing that. I, I was it you? I think through our Nerdflix and Chill uh, on Twitter, where you had retweeted. Uh, it was like 
a fresh lung and smoker's lung. And it was like yes. a picture of the Millennium Falcon and then a picture of it from uh, The Force Awakens where it's all like yellowy and gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it'll be great to kind of see the Millennium Falcon in its heyday. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Donald Glover as Lando. Oh, my he, gosh. Just in a couple shots of him in this trailer, he seems to be the runaway sensation yes. of this trailer. Everybody wants more Lando. Yes. I mean, I, I might as you might as well just call it Lando. I mean, I would find that movie so much more exciting, actually, than a solo movie, because... Ever since they announced the name of it, I can't get that scene out of my mind from The Force Awakens where Finn addresses Han as Solo and Han stops and is like, did you just call me Solo? <laughs> so I hate the name of this movie, but uh, I, I think I'm more interested in seeing Lando than I am actually in the title Solo of the movie. Yeah, and one of the great things that I noticed in the trailer is... Uh, there's a great shot of Donald Glover as Lando, and he's kind of cu- he's kind of cu- giving this like smile. And I swear he nailed the Billy D. Williams oh, smile, that so kind of smooth Colt forty five smile <laughs> of Billy D. Williams. He nailed it. You can look at pictures of Billy D. smiling next to the Donald Glover smile, and he nailed it. It's so well done. He like <laughs> just the big fur coat. Like I don't know. It just sets Lando up to be very, very interesting. I can't wait. I am so excited about it. I can't wait to to hear him really speak because I want to hear that smooth swag that Lando has. How you doing, Chewbacca? Like, I just, I yeah. want to hear that same, I that was horrible, by the way, in case you didn't, weren't aware of that. Uh, I re, I want to hear that same, just, just, ah, uh, velvety smooth voice. I want to hear him possess that too. Oh, I'm so yeah. excited. Uh, we also have Amelia Clark, who they have decked out in some really awesome costuming. Her costumes look amazing in this movie. Yeah, yeah. There's that one where she's walking off the ship. It looks like it looks like something they could have used in Game of Thrones. Yeah, which is kind of like a half cape kind of a yeah. thing going on. I love it. She gets to wear all the fun costumes yes. in her career. Yeah, she's lucky. So, do yeah. we know anything about her character at all? No, but they, the, I don't know if you saw the posters that they put out today. Yeah. Uh, those character posters. And she has a great character poster. It has this like 1960s sock hop feel, but she's holding a blaster. Yeah. And it's purple, which, you know, if, in case anybody doesn't know, I love purple. My hair is purple. So there you go. There you go. Uh, and so we don't know much about her. I believe her character's name is Kira. Um, but I don't know much about her. Don't know. If she's Han's love interest or if she is somebody else, uh, you almost get the feeling by from this trailer. And I, I could be way off on this, that she might be um, not like a spy, but somebody that is able to kind of pose as other people to infiltrate. She that outfit that you were talking about where, you know, she's. She's coming off the ship, and it's like this half cape thing that she's going on. When I first saw it, it reminded me of Krennic a little bit from Rogue One. Um, yeah. I just just in, in the lines and the styling of it. I mean, the colors are totally different. He was all in white, but still. Uh, 
she had kind of an empire-esque look about her. Hmm. That was just very different. And she has a very um, I don't, high class. I don't know if that if that's right. Because, I mean, there's not necessarily class. Well, I guess there is classes in uh, Star Wars. But anyway, she, I don't know. Not She's not like in the nitty gritty, it seems like. Like she has some more opulence about her. So yeah. I don't I'm I'm curious about who she is, what's going on, and I'm 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 wondering, I have a prediction that her character is probably going to be smart and sassy, Princess Leia-esque, because if that's the kind of chick that you know Han Solo seems to gravitate towards, that that's what she's going to be like too and that there's going to be some kind of attraction between the two of them. I'm assuming she's not going to make it through the movie. I'm guessing she's going to die or something. I don't know. My my gut feeling is that uh, she might be somebody who betrays him. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. Now, we also don't know what exactly Han's relationship with Lando is going to be here also. Right. Because do you remember in Empire where they're flying to Bespin and they're going to see Lando and they're having a hard time getting landing clearance and Chewie says something to Han and Han says, well, that was a long time ago. I'm sure he's forgotten about that now. Mm. Yeah. I'm wondering if we'll see whatever that thing was. Yeah. Because that's another opportunity that, that you have to kind of, I don't know, provide additional context to um the empire strikes back which could be interesting right so i think there's a lot of potential for some some really fun storytelling also we're talking about amelia clark and all the cool costumes she gets to wear there's that shot of her and i I don't know what the hell is going on in this particular scene it almost looks like they're at like a reception and there's like some sort of performance going on uh with this kind of character that's kind of clad in gold yeah yeah and she has this very classic cinema style hairdo and she looks phenomenal in that shot she looks gorgeous oh, it's yeah. like a, it's like a like a reception or a gala or something yeah she looks stunning in this movie again hair makeup her and costuming i don't know as if i've ever seen her look as good i mean i think she looks even better in these shots in this movie as than she does in game of thrones i think she looks amazing Yeah, and then we also get to see Tandy Newton and Woody Harrelson. We're not sure about what kind of character Tandy Newton will play, but she is a great actress, so I'm looking forward to whatever she does. Uh, Woody Harrelson looks to be playing some sort of mentor to Han. Yeah, it looks like he's reprising his role from The Hunger Games. (laughs) He almost looks exactly the same as Haymitch from The Hunger Games. Woody Harrelson just kind of shows up as Woody Harrelson and he just, like, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm just going to be Woody Harrelson. And that seems to be enough. And like, and if it's fine, because Woody Harrelson's kind of a, he's kind of a, an everyman himself. Well, it's like having Jack Nicholson in a movie. Jack Nicholson's going to be Jack Nicholson. He's just going to have a different name and different clothes and be around different people, but he's going to be the same in every movie. And you're right. That's kind of how Woody Harrelson is too. 
Yeah, but I mean, I'm down to see it. I mean, if this is if this is kind of an underworld style gangster film, uh, I, I'm or kind of a western style. I think that could be a lot of fun, and it'll be great to see these characters kind of play off of each other. I'd be curious to know what the like movie inspiration for this is like how you know um is it like the dirty dozen or is it like the oceans 11 of the star wars universe like kind of like what rogue one uh was the kind of heist film like is this going to be like a um a train robbing western or is it going to be something else is it going to be uh kind of a a chicago era gangster film Hmm. i don't know but i'm curious to see kind of what the style is yeah yeah, interesting. I'll th- I want to go back in just a second uh, to talk more about some of the characters and stuff that we were just uh, mentioning. There's a brief, very, very brief flash of a character that I swear to God, it could be Maz Kanata. I don't know oh, if it I is. Know, I know the character you're talking about. I haven't like done a freeze frame. I might go back and do a freeze frame and, and see it and think I'm off my rocker. But there was just for a brief second, it was like, is that Maz Kanata? But she has her little goggles off of her face, you know? Because, you know, from The Force Awakens, we know that there's a history. There's especially some kind of a history between her and Chewbacca. I would love to see a scene with her and Chewbacca together because she calls yeah. him her boyfriend. And I love that. So <laughs> I, I, I would love to see that. Another character that that looks like we're not seeing in this movie is nine nub who has a relationship with Han who or not Han. Well, he does with Han, but with um, Lando who co-pilots the millennium Falcon with Lando. I thought for certain we would see nine nub in this, but it looks like it's some kind of a droid that's sitting in the co-pilot seat with Lando. It's hard to say. I mean, there is a list of characters that could potentially be in this film that while we didn't see them in the trailer, I don't know that necessarily means they won't be in there. Like, I think there is a distinct possibility that we could see Jabba the Hutt. I think there's a distinct possibility that we could see Greedo. I think there's a possibility that we could see almost any of these characters from the original films. You're just kind of floating around out there. Do you see there are Twi'leks in uh, one of the shots there? No, I missed that. In that same shot where, you know, um, Amelia Clark is looking all glamorous with the, whatever that gold humanoid thing is, uh, there are a couple Twi'leks in there. I think I, I missed it because I think anytime, uh, Amelia Clark's on screen, my eyes immediately go right to her. So I'm not noticing anything else just yet. Yeah. There's, uh, so I think there's a good chance that we'll see some more classic, Star Wars creatures in there. Because yeah. if you've noticed in, in The Last Jedi and in The Force Awakens, they've been broadening out the universe a little bit more, introducing us to more, um, and more and more different alien species. But this would be a good opportunity to kind of go back and go to some of those classic looks and yeah. some of those classic creature designs. So I feel like, like we might see some of those old school characters in there. Well, that's a really smart way for the production to kind of anchor this as well. And, you know, that was some of the, the issues that I had with the prequels is that other than the fact that you've got these new people, and I'm not talking about characters, but the actors that are, you know, masquerading as, you know, these 
names of characters that we know, there are so many things in that that were so new that didn't anchor us into that universe. And right. it's it's those periphery, it's those extras, it's those those animals and creatures and and uh, you know background uh, performances that kind of anchor you and make you like, oh, okay, so this looks familiar. I know what a Twilight is, or I know what you know a Grimorian guard, or you know an Ugnot, or you know whatever kind of you know uh, creature you want to throw out there. It's like I I'm familiar with that. So, Dr. Evazan and Panda Baba. There you go. Um, <laughs> I don't like you either. Um, so I'm doing so many impersonations this episode. That's really <laughs> weird, and I don't normally do that. Um, that's re- it'd be really smart of them to do that because you know we have these people that are playing these iconic characters, but they don't exactly look the same. But it's just a great way to anchor them in that world, and I would love to see new takes on especially twilight i love the twilight race yeah. very much well and then i think the hardest cameos to work in i don't think they're impossible by the way but i think the hardest ones to potentially work in would be the r2 and 3po cameo which no. you almost feel has to happen because Why? they've been in every other film but i'm okay if they don't no they weren't no well, i mean they were in rogue one but um, no, they, they don't have to, they don't, they don't have any kind of, they're off doing their, you know, Skywalker stuff. This is on the outside of that. I mean, even Rogue One, it met up with some of the Skywalker stuff because of Leia. I mean, there's obvious tie there, but this is on the outside of that. I don't want to see them anywhere near this movie. Anywhere near. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree, but I mean, just keeping in mind that R2 and 3PO have been in every Star Wars movie, there is potential that for the sake of, like, the Stan Lee cameos in Marvel films, that you will see (laughs) somehow, you know, the Millennium Falcon flying by, you know, uh, the Tantive, you know, the earlier model of it, somehow, some way. And then the other, there, there is a possibility, I think, for another cameo. I don't know if they would do this twice. But I think there's a chance that we might get Vader again. See, I would, I would think we would maybe see CG Tarkin again. Yeah, Tarkin also a possibility. The Emperor too. I mean, he's another one that you could throw into one of these movies. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. Um, I'm. I'm cautiously optimistic about this. I, I have been worried and I have been frustrated that we haven't gotten anything until now. And now that we do have something, it's kind of wet my appetite. It's like, okay, I want to see more now. I mean, the teasers have done exactly what they were meant to do. It makes you want more. And I do. I want more. I want to I want to see a full-fledged trailer so we can maybe get some more dialogue, maybe get some context of things maybe get some kind of an assemblance as to what the story is going to be or where, you know, this direction, where it's going. Uh, I I don't know if they're going to reveal that much in a trailer, but uh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely curious. And my curiosity is more positive than it is apprehensive. Yeah. I, I'm going into this thing open. I try to approach every film 
open. I, life is too short for people to be cynical about everything all the time. Except I think DC it, movies. Well, but you know, here's the thing about that. <laughs> like, I was thinking about this too. Most of our conversation, like, very rarely do we fly off the handle with negative criticism about something. Suicide Squad was one that we really put the screws to. And, but the only reason that I, that I really hate that movie is because it treats the audience as though they are stupid. Yeah. Like, it treats the audience as though they are stupid. And it's it just, it's an insult to the audience. Uh, and that, to me, is, is a, it's not, like, I don't know. It, it's like the old thing that I, one of the film critics used to say, and I can't remember who it was. It might have been Roger Ebert. I don't know if it's exactly him, but they talked about how when you grade a movie, you should look at it based off of what is it aspiring to say? Does it do what it set out to do? And was it something that needed to be said? Was it a story that needed to be told? And if you look at those criteria, that's how you can kind of uh, get the idea of whether or not something is a good film or not. And, you know, so for me, I go into this just wide open. I mean, like I said, it doesn't feel necessary. But at the same time, like what it, what what movies are necessary? I mean, come on. So I, I'm going to approach this with an open mind. I feel like it, the biggest challenge that this movie is going to have is going to be whether or not Alden Ehrenreich can pull off Han Solo. Yeah. If he can provide a little bit of charm and charisma and make that character fun, then I think the movie has a great chance of being successful. If he can't pull that off, it's going to be a lot more difficult to win over the audience. Yeah. Yeah, and as much as we are all really rooting for Donald Glover as Lando, the movie's not called Lando. So it it really is resting on Han Solo and and this performance and it's not an easy task and I do not envy the task of anybody that's involved in this because that's just huge shoes to fill. But um like I said I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I I am going to it definitely with an open mind. But I I can't help but you know, I I do have some expectations, and my expectations of it are just what you had said of of having that proper characterization. And if that's missed, that's going to be a huge, huge miss. And I don't know if anything else, uh, whether it be a good story or good effects, which it looks like it's going to have amazing effects and costuming, and no matter how good Lando is or how good um, Amelia Clark's character is. Is that is that going to be enough? And I, I really think it's it's resting on one tiny little pinpoint of a thing, and it's um, it's going to be tough. And that's something that we couldn't see in this teaser that we got. We can't yeah. really see how he wears that role of Han Solo. I mean, you can get glimpses of it. Uh, we did get to see that one little shot at the end where he shows off a little bit of charisma, and I think he's fine there. But I mean, you just, it's too small a sample size to really be able to make any kind of, um, interpretation as to whether or not he's able to pull off the role. Yeah. I mean, so much of what we saw of him in this trailer is, um, shots from behind or three quarter shots or, you know, him just looking over his shoulder and saying that, you know, 
thought we were in trouble there or whatever the line is, which I, I totally think that that's a meta. That's a m- bit of meta dialogue. It, it might be. I we, do love that idea that, that, you know, they just decided to pluck out of there the everything's fine. We're fine. Yeah, you thought we were you thought we were in trouble, didn't you? No, everything's fine. Um I guess we have seen kind of a trend with some of the most recent Star Wars trailers that there's been this meta dialogue where um like for uh The Last Jedi, where Luke Skywalker says, This is not going to end the way you think. Um yeah. and then, you know, here's another one. Um so yeah, I I really think that that's kind of a a wink and a nudge to all of the naysayers regarding all of the crazy production things that have been happening. Yeah, and I think that uh, you know there I've I've seen people that have taken issue with Alden Ehrenreich uh, as playing Han Solo. I I don't know I don't know enough about his body of work to say if he's going to be good or bad. I know people were talking about this guy who does like a Harrison Ford impression. That's really good. And they're like, well, they should have put this guy. I'm like, you can't, you can't cast a guy doing an impression. You need to cast an actor, an actor who's going to be able to convey emotions and not just interpret, do an impression of Han Solo. That just doesn't work. Yeah. That never works in movies. Yeah. Cause then it, it will feel like a caricature and it will feel more like a fan film. Cause it's, right. it, it, it's, I don't know. It would just be too, uh, garish, I guess. Um, I, I just it would it would feel too cheesy. It wouldn't it would not feel authentic. Right. So you need to have uh, the the aura of that character, but not trying to one hundred percent embody that character because yeah. then it feels off. We focus more on looks than we do embodiments, and yeah. I tend to like I tend to like when. A character is able when an actor is able to kind of visually recreate a character. Um, you know, kind of like what Jim Carrey did with Andy Kaufman in Man on the Moon, or what um, Will Smith did with Ali when he played Muhammad Ali. Yeah, although he did kind of look like Muhammad a little bit the way they designed the you know the hair the hairline form and stuff like that. So um, one of the times where it didn't work was when they cast Idris Elba to play Mandela. Oh, and yeah. I, I love Idris Elba. He's one of my favorite actors, uh, and he's he's great. And he he can play Mandela. The problem with Idris Elba playing Mandela is that Idris Elba is jacked. So like the whole movie, it's like jacked Mandela. It's yeah. like Mandela will will beat apartheid by punching it. <laughs> yeah, because Nelson Mandela is a very slight man in stature. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like if Nelson Mandela was exposed to gamma radiation <laughs> and somebody made him angry. Uh, you wouldn't like him when he's angry. <laughs> you wouldn't like you wouldn't like angry Mandela. But that's what that. So I, that that's kind of one of those instances where maybe it's not exactly maybe you do need a little bit more looks than performance. But I generally think that I'd rather have performance than somebody that just physically looks the part. Yeah. I mean, which is right. Recasting doesn't bother me all that much. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't bother me all that much either. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I'm with you. I don't know this kid. I don't, I don't know what he's done. I don't know what kind of a, a actor he is. So I kind of like that I don't. I kind of like that it's not somebody that I necessarily know of. Um, so I'm open to it. 
Um, cause you know, we, like we just said, we didn't really get anything in this trailer. So I don't have any kind of a feeling positively or negatively, really. I'm just kind of neutral right now. So I'll have to see him in a full context of a, of a scene to see how things go. And then one last thing that I want to mention is the choice of Ron Howard as director. Uh, I don't know that people have actually thought about this. Aside from the fact that, you know, it's Ron Howard, he's a big name. In a way, he's kind of a perfect choice here. Because if there is anybody that knew Harrison Ford around the age that Han Solo would be in this film, yeah, it's Ron Howard from their time doing American Graffiti. You like, know, he knew young Harrison. He knew, uh, what, like, kind of what that is. So he might be able to direct... Alden Ehrenreich into something that might feel a little bit more natural. You know, as stupid as it is, I can't believe I didn't think of that. I did not consider that at all. I was thinking of Ron Howard as as far as his his directorial body of work and his experience. I didn't even think about that. That's so dumb of me not to think about that. But I think that's a brilliant. I think that's a great observation and I think that's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah, so I think I think he does have a chance to really uh, provide something, at least from a directorial perspective, that maybe Lord and Miller definitely could not, because you know they they didn't know the guy who was the guy. So yeah. that I think is another thing to be optimistic about. Uh, I think that you don't bring in Ron Howard just because you're going to punt on a movie. You bring in Ron Howard because you think he's going to turn it around and, and he's accomplished and polished and and can get those reshoots done. I think that, uh, and while bringing something to the project also. So, you know, Kathleen Kennedy's made a lot of really great choices here. So I trust her instincts when it comes to getting rid of Lord and Miller and getting Ron Howard behind the camera. Yeah, I... I think that was a really uh, educated and uh, I, I'm hoping a really good choice. Um, I, you know, I'm with you that I, I've trusted a lot of her instincts. I don't know what they were going for with the original uh, directors of it. Uh, I, I find it hard to believe that... I don't know, there's just something fishy in there thinking that if this movie was going too comedic, when you look at their body of work, they did the Lego movie. They did the, you mm-hmm. know, the Batman Lego movies and stuff. They're they're all about comedy. They're all about um, not, not quite, I guess a cleaner version of like Matt and Trey that do South Park. But it's like that, It's it's like hiring them for something and then telling them what you're doing is too funny. It's like you had to have known what you were getting into in hiring them to do this. I mean, I don't understand what you were hoping was going to happen. So it's it's like you're faulting them for doing what they would normally do. So I, I don't know who it was, if it was Kathleen Kennedy that brought them on, or 
Is that really the reason that they let them go? I don't know, because something doesn't match up there. It seems strange. Or was it really just a change of heart? Yes, we were going to go with a more comedic thing, but then when I'm seeing it in the dailies or seeing, you know, what they were already shooting, it wasn't, it just didn't feel right. Maybe going a comedic route, maybe it's not because that's what they were doing. Maybe it was her change of mind or something in the process. I don't know, but it seems strange to me that they would let them go because they were doing something too comedic when that's what they do. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I've had a problem with that ever since. There's, there's something there. There's some story there that I don't know when it will see the light of day, but there's something else yeah. there. We'll, we'll probably hear more about it after the film's release. Cause yeah, you're yeah. right. There's, there's a lot of stuff in there that's all based on rumor and conjecture and we don't really know. Um, but honestly, as a film fan, I don't care. I just want the best possible movie. <laughs> and that's I true. feel like, I feel like this was a promising introduction to this film. Who knows if it's going to be good or not. But like I said, I am open to it because I want these movies to be good. I don't want them to fail. Some dumbass wrote an article, I think it was for the, I can't remember what publication, but it's like why I want Solo to fail. Shut up. Just shut up. Yeah. Like, why would you want some, why would you want a piece of art to fail? You should want art to succeed. Yeah. So, I don't know. Those are my feelings on it. I think that, uh, you know, yeah, a lot of potential. We'll probably see another trailer. Probably, I would guess, around when A Wrinkle in Time comes out. Because I believe that's a March release. That would be about right, yeah. And we will be sure to cover that trailer as well. All right, everybody. You guys have heard our thoughts on the trailer for Solo, A Star Wars Story. Uh, but we'd like to hear your thoughts, so hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at NerdFlixChill. You can also check out our website, NerdFlixAndChill.com, where you can find our links to subscribe on iTunes, listen on Stitcher, or just listen to our podcast right there on the website. If you are listening on iTunes, throw us a five-star review. We do appreciate those greatly. For those of you who have given us reviews, thank you. We appreciate that. Uh, thanks for being with us, everybody. Until next time, may the Force be with you, because the night is dark and full of terrors.